With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilvy, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Dennis Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. Welcome back to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA. I'm here with Dan Greenberg, better known as Stool Greeny on Twitter. Say what's up, man. What's going on, guys? How you doing? So I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And before we get into anything, I was wondering if you saw the, the DM that I sent you of the video of Jason Tatum at All-Star Weekend with those uh, those TikTok girls, those influencer girls. Did you see that? I did, right? I think they have a lot of uh, a lot of people are doing that. I think I just saw Jokic do it yeah. um, as well, not too long ago. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think the NBA is just trying to like like get to these younger generation kids? Like, what what are they trying to do with this this stunt they're pulling right now? I mean, TikTok is a monster. I think <laughs> you know, for brands to stay relevant, you have to be able to adapt with the times and change with the times and produce content in a wide variety of ways. So. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. You knew there was going to be some sort of TikTok presence at All Star Weekend, but that's mm. just that's the game. You got to play it, and they're just like any other conglomerate, any other brand that has to build, you know, a new fan base and get younger fans to be attracted to them. So yeah. I, I think it's only it's nothing but good. I got you. I got you. Tatum looks so uncomfortable in that video, though. I will say. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm I'm not gonna. I couldn't do that video per se, but like, hey, man, that's what plays with. With this generation, so I respect that's it. The name of the game. I respect it. I saw Jokic do it, like you said, and uh, he, he seemed to enjoy it. So I guess it can't be that bad. No, and I mean, listen, he's got that European flavor, so maybe yeah. they're just you know a lot more open to being silly. I guess I don't know because he did look a lot more uh, comfortable and willing to participate. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, so you're pretty big on Twitter, you'd say, and you work for Barstool, so. I feel like a lot of people like to tweet at you and come at you for clout, as they say. Would you would you say that's true? No, because I don't think I have any clout. <laughs> like, I don't think no. So I, I would say people people interact with me the same way they would like any member of any other NBA. Okay, okay, you know, okay. I, I got think, you. You know, maybe being from Barstool makes it a little bit more visible, yeah. but like, you know, I don't think interacting with me gets anybody any like online cloud or followers okay. or something like that. I don't think I have that kind of power. Okay, well, that was just a little lead-in to my question. Um, is there any Twitter user in particular that you would say is the most annoying and just unknowledgeable, like, dumb Twitter user you've dealt with so far? Like, what's the dumbest thing you've seen from someone? Um, dumbest thing? I don't know. I mean, there's just, like, every fan base. Like, when I, I chirp with Philly or I chirp mm-hmm. with Lakers fans, you say anything about a Lakers fan, all of a sudden you have all these, like, LeBron stand accounts just in your mentions yep. for like four and a half hours. It's crazy. <laughs> um, it's just like it just comes with the territory. I think when when other teams are good, uh, you know their Twitter fan base is a little bit louder. So mm-hmm. I mean, but there's always I mean there's Knicks fans. There's you know the Kyrie defenders now in Brooklyn. Uh, you pretty much get a, a taste of it all, especially when the Celtics are good. Because Celtics Twitter is loud. So 
of course. Um, it's usually just the same bases as a whole. I got you. I feel that. So uh, I, I know my response and my answer to this question, but what would you say is the worst fan base? Like, you just your least favorite. Um, like, how? I mean, I don't know. I don't, like, like, that's a hard question because it's like I always hate Laker fans above yeah, anything yeah. else. I mean, that's in my blood. That's how I've been raised. That's all I know. So for me, it's always going to be, you know, Lakers number okay. one. But, you know, Philly and Boston have had a history, mm-hmm. you know, the last three or four years. Um, so that's that's spicing up a bit, but for me personally, it'll always be Lakers fans. It'll always be LA. I got you. M- m- lately, for me, it's been Philly. Like they just they just have so little to back their arguments, and yet they chirp the loudest out of anybody I've ever seen in my life. Like they'll they'll come at us for paying Jalen Brown, but then they paid Tobias Harris what eight million more, and he's six years older. That just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but they're different. I mean, yeah, those yeah. are different circumstances. Yeah. Like once Jimmy Butler left, they sort of had to overpay for you know the players that they had in that trade. So, uh, whereas uh, Jalen Brown, it's like he was entering restricted free agency, so he wasn't going to go anywhere. Like no matter what, um, if if the Celtics didn't pay him, then you know somebody else would have. Um, but it's just every fan base, you know, they, every the Philly Boston dynamic is is interesting. Um, just because it has been so one-sided, but you know, this year they've lost three out of four, which is mm-hmm. you know similar to what the Sixers did the year before. Um, so that's what's going to like cause them to chirp. But we'll see. I mean, it'll all be played out in what three or four more months, and you know, whichever one of us doesn't go you know deep, or if we end up facing in that in any of the rounds, whoever comes out on that, I think we'll we'll put it to bed for the most part. I got you. I respect that. So this is, I talked about this before, like a couple episodes ago, and I, I just wanted to get your opinion on this. So Phillies, they're a good team. Like as much as their record doesn't show it, they have tons of talent on that team and I respect it. And Horford's a solid player. Bringing him off the bench, I guess, worked for them. But in order to be successful in the long run, I hear a lot of people say you have to trade Simmons or trade Embiid. What are your thoughts on that argument? Um, I mean, I don't think you <laughs> consider doing that for at least three more seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just because just you don't have to. I mean, you you try a whole lot of things different before you split up mm-hmm. two, you know, individual talents like that. I mean, you can try coach. You can flip more pieces around them. Um, you can construct your roster in different ways. Uh, I, just, I don't think, you know, just because a lot of people suddenly think they can't play together and they should yeah. be traded, I mean, there's just too many things you can try before you even get to that point. I still think they can work. I just think you have to surround them with a certain type of player, a certain type of shooter, and have an offensive strategy that works for the both of them, and it can work. It's just whatever they have now isn't as good of a fit as I think they probably want. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they just need to get more shooting. Like, Firkin Corkmas, he's popped off the past week, but I don't think he's going to be... Uh, a valid long-term option for them as a as a consistent shooter off the bench. But if they can get a couple of those, they'll be a scary, scary team. Not that they aren't already, but I think they that's the main thing they need. But, yeah, I guess moving forward, I just want to talk a little bit about the Celtics. I assume, I can only assume you watched the insane Clippers-Celtics game that has me jumping and screaming to the point where I got a noise complaint in my dorm room the other night. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one to not watch. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. So, uh, Jason Tatum is looking like a perennial all-star in that game. I can't, I can't imagine you having any doubts about Tatum's talent after that one. 
but something I saw on Twitter was that uh, Marcus Smart quietly had 31, I think it was, and some people were still maybe questioning whether or not he should be taking all those shots, which I don't understand because, I mean, if he's shooting the ball well, Jalen Brown's out and he's making his shots, I don't have any problem with it. What do you think? Yeah, and that's just, at this point, if you've watched this team over the course of Marcus Smart's tenure, you, you kind of just have to know going into a game like that where they're down Jalen, it's a big-time spot, he's going to take a lot of shots. That's just what happens. But for whatever reason, he's you know he's a peak-and-valley-type shooter. So mm-hmm. he's in a situation now where he's, in a, he's at the peak. So if he wants to take 12 threes and make five of them, I'm okay with that because he's going to do – a whole lot more in terms of the defense, the you know the extra plays, yeah. the, the playmaking that are going to say, okay, you know he may earn this heat check shot, but he may he's going to take two or three bad threes as a result of it. By now we're six, seven years in. You just have to know that. And I think when it comes to Tatum, this is what you want to see, right? You want to see mm-hmm. him go up against elite wing talent and realize he's the best player on the floor and play like he's the best player on the floor. And if you look at how he played the, the fourth quarter in the overtimes, he looked Kawhi right in the face and took it right at him. And he established himself as the best player on the floor. And that was crazy to see. I agree. And what, what almost impressed me more was his mindset on defense. Like, we all knew Jason Tatum was an offensive monster. He can shoot the ball. He can drive to the cup. He can take it with the best of them. But he clamped up Kawhi on defense. He got right in his face, stuck his hand up, and just altered that shot to a point where Kawhi didn't even have a chance at making it. That was, that was crazy. Yeah, boy. I mean, just think of think of every elite two way wing, right? Mm-hmm. You have Paul George, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have guys like that. Where for you to be considered at that level, you have to be big time on both ends of the floor. So you know, while we already knew that Tatum was able to match them on the offensive side, what he's shown this year is he's taking more and more steps to get to that consistent All NBA type defender, and that's when you become you know, a top 15 player in the league is when you can be a lead on both ends. I agree, and I think it's his performance in that game I saw somewhere in the uh, basketball world is propelling him into potential all-NBA consideration. Do you think he's got a chance on one of those teams? Um, It'll be tough. Yeah. I just think his position is so stacked in that conference. But if they finish a top two seed and he averages, you know, 28, 29 a game the rest <laughs> of the way, uh, I think he'll find his way on it. I mean, he's the leading scorer on the Celtics at this point. He overtook Kemba, and I think he's, at this point, maybe I'm crazy, but I'd rather go to Jason Tatum in the clutch almost than Kemba at this point, just on the role he's been at least. Yeah, I think it depends on the matchup. I think mm-hmm. when we're, when you're playing a team that has longer, you know, perimeter defenders, long, bigger point guards, that's where Kemba usually struggles. But if they don't have that, I feel perfectly comfortable, you know, running Kemba in a high screen and roll and letting yeah. him, you know, decide to shoot or create I think he's he's earned it for me enough in his short time here to say you know he's carried us enough late in games he's made big threes I'm, I'm comfortable if he wants to take it no yeah I, I, honestly I'm comfortable with any of our top five guys taking it like Jalen Brown can score whenever he needs to Gordon Hayward struggled that whole Clippers game and still managed to hit some clutch shots at the end of the game and then Marcus Smart dropped what 31 and then 37 against the Suns earlier this year like when he took that fadeaway three in the corner I was shitting myself like I thought we were screwed I'm like what are you doing and then it just went in so it's just at this point if any of our top five that's, guys but that's the that's the Marcus Smart experience yeah. that's what it's like to just <laughs> You have to trust that 
sometimes he's going to take that shot and he's going to hit the side of the backboard, but oh, sometimes yeah. he's going to make it and it's going to change the dynamic of a game, so you just have to live with it. Oh, yeah. I saw you tweet this. I tweeted it. Just the no, 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 yes mentality. That just encompasses Marcus Smart perfectly to a T. That's it. And he won't always make it, but when yeah. he does, it's going to be in a huge moment in a, in a big spot, and you just you have to take both sides of it. I agree. And... um Staying with the topic of the Clippers game, another guy who I was super impressed with who stepped up when we needed it, Grant Williams. What a performance. Like, he didn't score much. He didn't do much on the offensive end. But on defense, he was key for us down the stretch when Ty saw that. And Cantor, obviously, like, never been the best defender. He's great at what he does. He's a great player. I love Cantor to death. But Grant Williams came in and showed us that he can be a valid NBA defender for the next, like, solid portion of his career. And he can contribute for us. Yeah, especially, I mean, it wasn't all good. He, he definitely had his lapses yeah. against Montrose Harrell, who just went right through him repeatedly. But yeah. in the last, in the two overtimes, in the big moments down the stretch of both those overtimes, he was ginormous. Like, he had the huge steal. He had the, you know, the um, the contest on Lou Williams late mm-hmm. without fouling. So he, he, sh- he came through when it mattered most. But, I mean, Montrose Harrell abused him every yeah position he had on the block for the majority of that game but for whatever reason they figured it out in the overtimes and his play, without his plays they probably don't win that game i agree i i think i part of my brain just kind of blocked out the part where Montrose harrell baptized him because i want to remember the good things about grant williams from that game a little more but yeah Montrose harrell definitely had his way with him <clears throat> and i think that Grant's size, like Montrezl Harrell's an undersized center too, but Grant Williams is what, 6'5", playing the center, like it's going to always be tough for him, but if he can learn to like position himself a little better, like Draymond does, and like even Al does, even though Al's taller, obviously, then I think he'll be a solid guy down the, ugh, down the stretch for them. Yeah, but I mean, you also have to give credit to Harrell too, I mean, he's yeah, just so yeah. quick and powerful, like, I feel like it didn't matter who was opposing him on the block, he was just giving one good shoulder, creating mm-hmm. space, and dunking. Like, it was – he's been doing that all year, I feel like. So, it's not like it was, this was just a Grant Williams thing. It's like a pretty much anyone who tries to defend Harrelson. No, yeah, 100%. He's so quick, too. Like, he's like six seven at the center position, and he just comes off that Clippers bench and can give you 20 every night, every single night. Like, he can right. he just bang with the best of them. Uh, but that leads me into my next topic, talking about Grant Williams. Who's your favorite Celtics rookie this season? Ah, my favorite? I mean, probably Grant. I mean, it's different. That's a tough question because my favorite is, man, like. It's tough. Yeah, I'd say Grant because I think he's he's the the leader to give you, you know, actual minutes at this point. Like, I trust Grant playing, you know, five to ten minutes in a playoff series if you need him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm intrigued by Romeo. I, I just think. He has an NBA-ready body. He plays NBA-caliber defense already. Um, so I'm really intrigued with him. And he's always fucking lit as hell. He's blazed out <laughs> of his mind every fucking day. So he's up there. But I'd say Grant at this moment. No, yeah, I would agree. I think Grant's just the most NBA-ready at this point. And it's unfortunate because we don't really know. Like, Romeo could be NBA-ready. He just doesn't get the minutes because, what, he is Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward above him on the depth chart. It's tough for him to get real minutes. I mean, there. and Jalen Brown. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much a carbon copy of Jalen Brown's rookie season yeah. for the most part. He plays, like, you know, 11 or so minutes a game. You know, when he does play, he flashes, but he doesn't get consistent minutes. It's basically... 
if you look at the two, uh, Jalen's rookie year and Romeo's rookie year, they're literally the exact same. Yeah, it's tough because I, I wish we could give our rookies more minutes because, what, we came in the season with five rookies we took out of college and seven total, if you include Javante and Poirier, who's never played in the NBA. We're the least experienced team in the league, and yet we're still amazing because we have this top-heavy team. But for all we know, we could have so many extra contributors on the bench, they just don't get the minutes that they need to develop, which I think they will eventually. Like I'm not saying Romeo and Grant won't develop into solid NBA players for us because I think they can it's just a matter of giving them enough time and not panicking because they don't get enough minutes to contribute right away. Well, like, the good news is, is they've gone through this process with both Tatum and, yeah. and Jalen, right? Like, Tatum's situation was a little different because he was thrown in because of Hayward's injury, but, like, Jalen was brought on very slowly. So it's, uh, it's something they've done before, and when you look at what, how their roster can, is looking, it's, it's similar to when Jalen first got here and they already had all those wings on the, on the roster. So um, I'm comfortable with them. Like they know how to develop that position at this pace because they've already done it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true for sure. And so let me, let me need to ask you this important question right now. I need you to put all your Celtics bias aside, all your love for this man aside. Do you think Taco Fall can be a legit NBA player in the next couple of years? Like legitimately? Absolutely. Why okay. not? I mean, I, I, I see people hating on him all the time. I think he can. But I just want your opinion, your thoughts on this real quick. Yeah, I mean, he moves well for a big dude. I mean, his lateral quickness is is not a detriment, which is, you know, found money in some regards. But he blocks everything. He rebounds everything. He's got a nice little jump hook. If he figures out his conditioning and gets stronger, you know, there's no reason to think he couldn't be a 14th, 15th man on a consistent basis, if not more. I mean, the dude's got real talent, and I think he's shown at every stage. I mean, he's dominating in Maine right now. So yeah. I don't think – there are worse big men in the league than Taco, I'll say that. For sure, for sure. I think we could potentially give him Poirier's minutes, like types of minutes next year. Like Poirier comes in when we need him, when we have an injury. He plays a couple minutes here and there. I think that can be Taco for us next year and moving forward because Poirier has struggled at first. I don't think he's that bad. I think just he – maybe nerves in the NBA. I don't really know what it was, but he's grown up a little bit over the course of the season. But I think Taco can be that type of player for us moving forward, especially with his height and ridiculous ability. He just needs to, like you said, improve his conditioning and be a little faster and quicker down the court. Yeah, I think in in Taco's limited minutes, he's looked more dominant than, you know, Poirier has in his limited minutes. I would agree. You mentioned uh, dominating in the G League, and that just made me think of Tremont Waters, who's been absolutely destroying the competition there, made the equivalent of the All-Star game, averaging, what, like 19, 7, 3, and 2 steals? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think you'll see him be uh, on the full man. I think this next summer it's going to come down. I think they're going to have to uh, decide between Tremont and, and Carson because mm-hmm. I think what they're going to do is they're going to trade some of those pieces and consolidate their picks um, just because they don't have the roster spot for them. So I think, you know, one of those two is going to be on the, the roster full-time next year. Uh, it just depends on who they feel more comfortable with. You know, Tremont's been great in the G League. He's, he's had mixed reviews when he's played in the, in, you know, with the big club. Carson's obviously had a tough year, hasn't really played a lot, hasn't really shot the ball like we thought he would after watching him in the summer. So uh, they both have high ceilings, but I think you're only going to see one of them move forward. 
I'd agree with that. I don't think Danny Ainge is going to have two sub-six-foot guards on his team that are both, like, I wouldn't say raw talent because we know they both can play, but, like, not completely developed yet. I think he'll probably focus on one of them because we don't need two below-six-foot guards on the team. And I think Tremont really has the defensive and playmaking aspect down a little more. While even though he struggled, like, I think Carson obviously can score the ball. Like, that's his role. So it just comes down to which one of those do we need more, maybe. Because if if Carson can get back, we can develop him and he'll get his shot back. Like, just because he struggled a little bit doesn't mean he's a bad shooter now, magically. Like, he's not Markel Fultz, but... uh, And I I think, I I mean, he's he's got a bigger body. He's a better... He doesn't have the quick hands that Tremont Waters does, but... If I think of how NBA opposing players will attack them, they'll probably just try to post them up. So I'd feel more comfortable with, like, the strength of Carson and him being able to, like, body guys and and play physical. You know, that would be the only thing that makes me move hesitant to move on from him, especially if he can shoot like we think. That's a, that's a solid – you know, that's Brad Wanamaker, only someone who, you know, might be able to shoot a little bit more consistently down the stretch. No, I agree. I think he just needs to improve, not his shot overall, because we know he can score. He shot, what, fucking nine threes in a quarter? That's ridiculous. Like, we know he can score. He just needs to get it down on a consistent basis. Yeah, I just think he needs to play. And he's, he's one of these young guys where it's like, you know, on any other team, maybe he's getting 15, 20 yeah. minutes a night. But on this team, he barely plays, so it's tough to get for that rhythm. Like you said, it's like a Jalen Brown thing. Like, he didn't get many minutes. That doesn't mean he's not good. Like, you're making $29 million, putting up 20 points and 7 rebounds on a 2-seed, or 3-seed right now, but potential 2-seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, they're so far so good. Yeah, so uh, let me ask you this then. As we're talking about 2-seed, 3-seed, obviously the 2-seed's pretty important this year, I would say, so we don't have to face any of the 1-6 through six guys. So who do you think... I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. Is the most important guy for us down the stretch? Like, we know Kemba's going to be important. Jason, obviously. Jalen. The big five, obviously. Basically, my question is, who's the eight-man in your eight-man rotation? Because I assume you got Kemba, uh, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, Tice, Cantor, Smart. Who's the eighth man? Who's going to be the key for us in that eighth-man spot? Um, I mean, it'll, just, it'll probably be dependent on matchup, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's a series with Milwaukee, you'll see Semi because he's going to get – you know, the matchup with Giannis. If it's, you know, Philly, maybe it's Robert Williams if he's healthy to help with the size. If it's, um, you know, Indiana or somebody else, maybe it's Grant Williams so you could have more of a, of a shooter, perimeter shooter, outside touch. So I think that is going to be a rotating, you know, I think they want to give Robert Williams a chance. He would be pretty intriguing because, you know, of his switchability and how he plays. But, who knows what he's going to look like. So I think they're just going to say, this is our best seven. We're going to have a short rotation anyways. Um, so we'll really use that eighth spot based on what, you know, this individual game or this individual series needs. All right. So, yeah, you mentioned Robert Williams. Where do you think he's going to fit in the rotation when he comes back? Because I think he could he could help us. But with the duo we're running with Tyson Cantor, I don't know how he fits into that down the stretch. Well, I just think when you look at some of the teams they have to play, he's will know right. You know, in the first two or three two or three possessions of of Kansas minutes, if it's a matchup he can play in. Um, like if you looked in the game like Houston, that was not a, that was not a Kansas matchup. Yeah. So that's a situation where you could have seen Rob Williams play fifteen twenty minutes, um, and that's what he gives Brad is just the flexibility to say, okay, if this is a quicker team that has 
you know, that's putting us in pick and roll a lot. We can't afford to have Cantor out there, but we can't lose size. If you put in Robert Williams, you still get the rim protection, but you get someone that's a little bit more quicker, has a bigger reach, bigger wingspan, can defend the, the perimeter a little bit better. Um, so I think he'll be a rotation big. It's just he has to get healthy and he has to stay healthy. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of crazy how the Celtics have three distinctly different centers on the roster. Like, Tice is a, a bigger body. He's shorter, but he can, like, bang with the guys in the low post. we got Robert Williams, who's quick, athletic, get up for the blocks, uh, roll to the rim, uh, catch an alley-oop. And then Cantor, who can just body kids in the paint and put up hook shots and grab offensive boards. Like, we have three very diverse centers. It's just a matter of if Brad can get them in the game when their skill set is needed. Yeah, it's just they have to be healthy, and, and I think if they are, it's why I think they feel confident that they can match with any style because they have the roster flexibility to play small, to play fast, to play big if they need to, to go through the post if they need to, um, you know, and really have guys that can get offensive rebounds and, and protect the rim. They have it. They just, you know, have to do it by committee. Some teams have all that in one player, whereas the Celtics use it, you know, three different styles. I agree, and I think it's really overlooked. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, the Celtics need a big man, Celtics need this. We have one solid big man. It's just split up over three different guys, or I guess since Robert Williams is out, two different guys. And we literally play Tice and Cantor, like, 24 and 24 minutes, like, evenly. Like, they're one center who just plays the whole game as a tandem. Yeah, and so far it's worked, but there, yeah. are, there are matchups that give them problems. Like, Tice struggles against an Embiid or a Drummond, you know, these big bruising traditional centers, which is why you see them double team a lot. There's a lot of delayed doubles on Embiid, whereas Cantor struggles when he against a team like the Clippers that plays a, a lot of high pick and roll with their second unit because he doesn't really know how to contain, you know, like a Lou Williams coming out to dribble, he gets exposed. So that's a place where, you know, if you look at Tice's minutes, he was so much more effective against a game like the Clippers because he's more athletic he's he's able to read that offensive set a little bit better and together they make a, a interesting dynamic but if one of them gets in foul trouble and that's where the Celtics get exposed because they mm -hmm. don't have a guy to cover that other you know if it's Cantor that's in foul trouble well then Tice can't handle a big man in the post like he can I agree and I think Grant did a, a solid job against the Clippers like where something like that happened of covering for like covering the Celtics' ass when Tice fouled out. First of all, that Tice foul out call was bullshit. I don't think he should have fouled out there, but Grant did a good job coming in and saving the day a little bit. Yeah, but you just, you know, you can't always rely on yeah. a rookie to do that, you know, in a playoff series. Exactly. I'd agree. So uh, moving forward a little bit, tonight is the All Star game fiesta that goes on before the game. So we got the, what, dunk contest skills. Uh, competition and three-point contest tonight. Jason Tatum's going for two in a row after he hit the fucking insane half-court shot last year to win the game. Do you think he can do it again? Uh, of course. I think he's going to, like he said, he's going to do it one last time, he's going to defend his title, and then he's going to retire from it. I respect that. I think that next year, I think this year, if we saw Javante Green in the dunk contest, that'd be disgusting. His dunking is so underrated. He gets up so high. Yeah, but there's a difference between, like, yeah. in-game dunking and <laughs> yeah. dunk contest dunking. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't know if he could, like, if he could mess with, you know, some of the stuff. I'm sure we'll see from, like, Aaron Gordon and stuff. Those yeah. are, like, Aaron Gordon isn't as 
devastating of an in-game dunker, I feel like. But uh, Javante, I, I don't know if he could be doing some of the stuff that they do as a as a dunk contest dunker. 100%. I, also, I wish Zach Levine was in this contest, dude. That'd make it so much more interesting. It sucks. Yeah, it's weird that he's like in the three-point contest but not the uh, the dunk contest. That seems a little weird. <laughs> For sure, especially since it's in Chicago. Like, you wouldn't want to dunk in front of your home fans? Like, what? Right, yeah. I think he was just a little salty about being not being an all-star, but at the same time, he's in the three-point shootout. So, yeah, that's a little strange. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Who do you got winning your dunk contest tonight? Derek Jones, Howard, Gordon, or Connaughton? Some miracle Connaughton wins? Um... Connaughton, I think uh, I want to say Derek Jones, mm-hmm. um, but because I think he's he's got the most the highest ceiling to do something crazy. I feel like, but at the same time, someone's going to do like Dwight will probably do a Kobe tribute and mm-hmm. fucking get a fifty and win or something <laughs> like that. Um, but I would I hope Derek Jones wins, but uh, I can see Dwight getting like doing something like that to maybe steal it. I agree. I was um talking to this dude on Twitter, and he's like, this is going to be the worst dunk contest we've seen in years. Like, the competition sucks. I was like, I think this could be the best dunk contest in a long time. Like, you got Derek, yeah, Derek Jones. Yeah, it definitely doesn't suck. Like, yeah. It definitely doesn't suck. Aaron Gordon's legit. Derek Jones Jr. is legit. Pat Connaughton can fly. I mean, it's it's definitely not... On paper, it shouldn't be, so time will tell, but uh, mm-hmm. it, on paper, it's definitely not the worst. I, I think it'd be hilarious just to see Pat Connaughton come in here and just dominate the whole thing. Like, I, I feel like he's the guy everyone discounts is not going to do much, but I, I think he's got bunnies. That dude can fly, like you said. He can get up for yeah, he can jump. some big ones. He can jump. So, I mean, it's 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 wide open, but he's going to have to do some crazy shit because I think, you know, we're going to see some good stuff from Gordon and, and Derek Jones Jr. For sure, for sure. I was looking at the three-point contest lineup, too. That thing is stacked. They got Buddy, Joe Harris. Like, Levine, I guess, he's a solid dude, but they've got all the legit three-point shooters in that thing. I'm intrigued to watch that. Yeah, and it's, it'll be interesting to see who goes for the uh, the deep threes for extra points. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, worth four points or something. Um, but, yeah, it sucks that Dame isn't playing in it because yeah. he probably would have been the favorite. Um so we'll see. Like, you know, Trey Young is going to try a couple of deep ones. Uh, maybe uh, Bartans will try a couple of deep ones. But there's a lot of good shooters in that one. I think I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if any one of those dudes won it, which is crazy. Yeah, I got the list here. It's Trey Young, Devontae Graham, Joe Harris, Booker now instead of Lillard, Levine, Duncan Robinson, Buddy Heald, and Davis Baritons. That's gross. That's dirty. Yeah, those are all, like, devastatingly terrifying shooters. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I think my pick is... Trey Young, like as basic as that is, Trey Young's disgusting. He's gonna make all his shots. Uh, my sleeper is Duncan Robinson, though. Yeah, he's automatic, and he's someone that you know, like Trey Young's really good, but he he shoots a lot of his off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like same thing with Damian Lillard. Like you want guys that can spot up, like a Bertans and a Duncan Robinson, like guys that usually are coming off screens or they you know, have a similar emotion to picking up from a rack. So I always like, like Joe Harris won it, what, last year? He's primarily like a, a, a spot-up shooter, comes off curls type shooter. Those guys, I feel like, for some reason, tend to do a little bit better. I agree, for sure. Do you see Luca's half-court shot last night, by the way? I forgot to mention that. That was fucking stupid. No, I didn't. Um, you didn't? I saw clips on Twitter. He is the end of the half in the Rising Stars game, which I don't know why he even played in. 
but he just banked in a half-court shot to end the half off just because. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Luca doing Luca shit. I mean, that's, uh, some some people are blessed, I feel like. He's, he's fucking crazy, man. I don't, I don't know how he does it. So, uh, yeah, that's just... yeah it's, it's crazy. So, All-Star game tomorrow night. I think this is going to be such a fun All-Star game, especially because the new format with, like, the... The um, what is it? I forget how exactly it works, but there's like they get money for each quarter, so I think people are gonna actually be playing defense at least for most of the game, which will make it so much more interesting than in years prior, where they just kind of hucked up random shots. Yeah, I just think Team LeBron is loaded and they're gonna dominate. <laughs> really? <laughs> I just think yeah. I just think he's got a way better team. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at the roster right now. And it's just, I think Giannis drafts too much with his heart and LeBron drafts to win. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think they're all that close. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, who you got is your MVP, All-Star Game MVP, gut reaction right now? Uh, Giannis. Giannis, really? Even though you think he'll lose? Yeah. Say that again? I, yeah, I think he's, like, even in a losing effort, I think he'll still get it. Really? I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. I hope Jason I Tatum... I think he's going to have, like, 45 or something stupid. Because <laughs> he's going to have to do all the scoring, yeah. but they're going to lose. I hope Jason Tatum just comes out there and just destroys the competition off the coattails of his 39-point performance and wins the MVP by some miracle. Yeah, I don't... I, I'm not. I don't think they're going to pass him the ball enough to do that. No, <laughs> like, I agree. I hope he takes it. Like this is the only situation I could see Tatum actually getting real playing time in this thing. I think they put him in if he makes his first like three or four shots. Like he just gets three, four shots in a row and he makes them all. Then they'll be like, okay, maybe this guy's hot and they feed him the ball more. But if he like comes out and misses one of his shots, he's screwed. He's not going to get any more playing time. Yeah, he just starts like one for five or something. He'll, yeah. like, he'll never get the ball. <laughs> I think in some of the guys this year in the, in the game, I don't think are going to be super entertaining to watch. Like Sabonis obviously deserved to be an all-star this year. Like he's having a great season. But just guys like Sabonis and like I guess even maybe Bam. Like I love Bam, but I don't know if I want to watch Sabonis versus Bam in the post for an all-star game. <laughs> no, but like Bam will do some cool shit yeah, like, yeah. as a point guard. Sabonis will probably step back and hit some, try to hit some threes. Um, it's, I mean, it's tough just because like there are going to be more traditional players like that that have to make an All Star team because their numbers are just so good. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think they're not going to be featured. You know, they're not going to play through Sabonis by any stretch. He'll get no, like maybe you, some alley oops, maybe some offensive rebound putbacks, but like you know, he's not taking fifteen shots. <laughs> you know, yeah, I just hope it's a good game. Like. Like, the last time I distinctly remember watching an All-Star game was when Fergie butchered the National Anthem, and I just remember it because it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always liked them. I just, it's just cool to see the best players in the league all play in the same game. I feel, I feel. I like uh, the dunk contest might be one of my favorite things. Like, that 2016 dunk contest where Aaron Gordon put it beneath both his legs and just yammed it over a mascot, that might have been the craziest shit I've ever seen at All-Star Weekend. Yeah, we haven't seen a dunk contest like that since, and, and we probably never will. But yeah. uh, just as long as it's, you know, the worst is when it has like fifteen dunk, fifteen misses in a row, mm-hmm. and it's just like all the air and momentum is out of the gym. So like, I just hope everybody makes their dunks on the first try, just because that's when the hype and the reaction is always the best. Is when you know nobody misses is, is what makes a good dunk contest, in my opinion. 
For sure, and I think we got enough good dunkers this year that we won't see too many misses. Like, Aaron Gordon struggled, I think. It was last year or the year before, like, after his 2016 performance. But I feel like he's going to have a fire under him, and I don't think we're going to see too many misses tonight. Hope so. I hope so, too. Um, So, a couple days ago, we saw Devin Booker replacing uh, Damian Lillard in the All-Star game, and a bunch of people thought he should have made it. Uh, originally over guys like, I don't know, Russell Westbrook or Brandon Ingram. Do you think he should have gotten the bid on his own? He shouldn't have needed a replacement? Yeah, like, you could have put him in over, you know, Chris Paul or uh, or Westbrook, in my opinion. But now that he's in it, it's... Exactly. I guess it's all right. He's in it by default, obviously, with uh, with Willard going down. But, I mean, he's doing shit that hasn't been done since, like, LeBron and Larry Bird and mm-hmm. like that. I mean, you ha- I know the Suns are bad, but... They made it pretty clear that team success doesn't really matter, so his individual <laughs> stats are you know, pretty impressive. So I was, I was surprised when he didn't get in initially, but as long as he's in it, then that's all that matters. I feel. And you mentioned team success not having to matter to make an all-star game. Are you behind that, or do you think the number of wins you have should determine it a little bit? No, I'm behind it. Like, it's hard to win in the NBA, and it's like not an individual player's fault. It's like it's not Trey Young's fault that yeah. the Hawks suck. It's like at the end of the day, he's third in the league in scoring and like third in assists. You can't tell me that's not an All-Star level production. So for me, it doesn't matter. You like you don't have to win a certain amount of games, in my opinion, to be eligible to be an All-Star. But then you also can't be mad if you if you're like Bradley Beal and you get snubbed. Well, like that should happen. So. Yeah. Uh, for me, it doesn't really matter because I just want the best individual talents. I don't care what their team does. I got you. That makes sense to me. I think it's uh, at first. When it comes to All NBA, I think it's different. But yeah. Like for All Star, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think that's why we see a lot of the times, like the past three or so years, when Rudy Gobert got snubbed from the team, he still made an All NBA team because that, like, the committee that picks that realizes that he's such an impactful player on the floor, but he just doesn't have the stats to be in the All Star game. Luckily, he made it this year. I think it's great for him. Yeah, but um, and it's like you know, fan voting is part of it. Yeah, so All Star game isn't really all that. Like, like everyone wants to see Trey Young fucking huck up threes in the All Star game for an hour, for right? Two hours. Like his team sucks, but you can't tell me he wouldn't. He's not like built for the All Star. Yeah, exactly. It, this year's All Star game is gonna be great. Like Luke and Trey Young in the starting lineups with all the the vets, I think is hilarious. Like we got Embiid, Siakam. Walker, Davis, Leonard, Harden, LeBron, and then just two young guns going at it with the best of them. Because those two guys are insane. Like, it's crazy that they got drafted, what, four or five? It's three five, right? There's a guy in between them. No, so, they were traded for each other. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I see all these memes about how the Kings fucked up their life by picking Marvin Bagley over Luke or Trey Young, which is hilarious. You know, it's... That's, it's not as easy as it looks. Exactly, yeah. It's it's the way it goes sometimes. And Marvin Bagley's not a bad player, but Trey Young and Luke are just generational talents, I think, at this point. It's clear to see that. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> yeah, I guess moving on from the All-Star game, I wanted to ask you. So we got, what, a couple, few months till the end of the season, and we're halfway through, a little over at this point, and the Bucks look terrifying. The Celtics have 38 wins, which is good like I'm, I'm so happy with that we're playing great this year but the Bucks are just a different animal they only have lost eight games do you think what do you think it's going to take to beat them at this point um you'll probably need a little luck you'll you'll need <laughs> to probably overachieve a little bit um 
But at the end of the day, I mean, they're a, a regular season wagon that is a long team. They're big. They, they're great in transition, and they have the best player on, you know, one of the best players on the planet. So, uh, you know, they all the the hype and, and respect that they get, I think, is well-deserved because they're doing historic shit. I agree. You say best player on the planet. Do you think he's the best in the league right now? Do you think he's better than LeBron? I mean, he's probably not better. He's probably two or three. I mean, okay. LeBron's still the best all around. I agree. That's just, yeah, that's you crazy. You can't watch him and see what he's doing and think really anything different, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Giannis is the most dominant player in the league, but not, maybe not the best. Like, he can just have his will with any team in the league, but LeBron overall is probably a better player. Yeah. What's your uh, – I'm looking at the standings right now. What's your biggest surprise team this season? Is it like Miami or Oklahoma City? What do you think? Memphis maybe? Uh, probably Memphis mm-hmm. or Oklahoma City just because we – you know, nobody knew what Oklahoma City was going to do if they were going to, you know, sell off their team or, or stick with it. So they've been really, really good. But uh, Miami certainly gelled a lot quicker with Jimmy Butler than – than I think maybe we initially thought. Uh, but the fact that Memphis is going to make the, you know, they're probably going to make the playoffs mm-hmm. with, you know, three of their top five players being under 20 years old or some shit like that. I mean, that's almost unheard of. That's crazy. I think Memphis can be a really good team in the next few years. Like, John Morant's no joke. Jaron Jackson's proving himself. And Brandon Clark, who we could have taken, I guess. Like, people complain about that, but I have no problem. Like, Brandon Clark's a legit player right now. He might not have the stats for it, but he, he puts up solid performances on a nightly basis for them. I think they'll be, well, obviously, yeah, I think they're, they'll get it. They're as good as a collection of young talent yeah. as, you know, any rebuilding team has. For sure. I think they're going to get fucked over by the Lakers in the first round, no question, but it'll be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's still, there's value in just making the playoffs. Even yeah. The sweats. I mean, it's all a process. I think Memphis is doing what the Kings wanted to do this year. Like, the Kings fell off when last year they were so close. I think the Kings kind of got screwed this season with injuries, but the Memphis is where they want to be right now. Yeah, and, and Memphis is going to have their same challenge next year of backing up what we saw this year. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of the Kings and the Grizzlies, I saw something ridiculous on Twitter bashing Danny Ainge. He's like, Ainge just can't predict when teams are going to be good. He got the Kings pick and they were good, and now he has the Memphis pick and now they're good. And I'm just like, how do you expect him to know that John Morant and Jaron Jackson are going to make the playoffs? Like, what what are you talking about, first of all? Second of all, he's just getting draft assets. Like, I don't understand people who complain about things that you're supposed to predict five years in the future about. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't really, I don't really follow that logic, but, you know, it's Twitter. So. No, yeah, Twitter <laughs> doesn't always make too much sense. Uh, to end this off, I think we can talk about maybe one more thing, then this has been fun. I don't, ah, great time. The Celtics are, like I said, have won 38 games this year. They've got Toronto and Milwaukee ahead of them. The two seeds probably important because that would lead to a, Brooklyn or Orlando first-round series against maybe an Indiana or Philly first-round series, which I don't personally want. But what do you think it's going to take as the overall Celtics team? We mentioned, like, the center rotation being important. We mentioned, like, Kemba and Jason obviously having to play their hearts out. What do you think it's going to take for this Celtics team to get to the championship, like, past the Bucks, past all this noise? Like, who's going to have to come together? Who's going to clutch up for us? 
Well, I mean, I think Tatum is going to have to be efficient and he's going to have to go up a level from where he even is right now. Like, he has to have, like, a, like a true number one playoff. Like, when you think of a number one on a championship contending team, like, that's what he has to play up to, yeah. whether that's, you know, what we saw from Kawhi last year or, you know, the type of dominance we saw from Giannis in the first couple rounds. Like, he's got to be the guy on that level but then we're also going to need to figure out how, you know, teams are going to trap Kemba. They're going to use his size against him, so they need to be prepared for that, which is why I think Gordon Hayward is so important because if they're able to run the offense through Hayward and have Kemba off ball and still have, you know, that playmaking from Hayward, I think that's what makes them a matchup problem. But to be to get out of the East, they're going to have to overachieve. They're going to have to, you know, punch above their weight just because – we haven't seen them do it yet, so we don't know if they can. In theory, it, it works, but you know, usually come the playoffs, we see this offense go cold, and then you know the defense falls shortly after that. So hopefully, this team has a different sense of mental toughness to get them through it. But they're going to have to overachieve. If like I don't think right now they're the the expectation is you know that they're going to come out of the East. For me, mm-hmm. I think they can make the Eastern Conference Finals, but to do it they're going to have to play even better than what we're seeing over this stretch for sure and even if they manage to get by the bucks by i don't want to say a miracle but it's going to be tough for them like you got the lakers and the clippers in the west who i would think are better playoff teams better built for the playoffs than the bucks are because they got the guys who've been there before so even if we manage to get to the finals yeah, but i, I, I think know. you know i think the Celtics match up better against the la teams than they do against the bucks really why, why would you say that that's interesting yeah. Well, because I think the Bucks are longer than both of those teams, and their best player is a different type of monster. Like, I feel more comfortable with our wings going up against, you know, the Clippers' wings okay. than I do, you know, Marcus Smart guarding Giannis, for example. Yeah. I just think the type, the style that Giannis plays, and when you factor in how long they are on their front line, I just think... You know, outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, like the Lakers, they're whatever. That's not a matchup I think you get killed on. The Clippers, we just saw how we lined up against mm-hmm. them. Both games have been, you know, down to the wire with them. But with the Bucks, it's no coincidence. Game one, they got up 19 points before the Celtics came back. And then the second time we played them, they blew them out. So it's like, I just think the shooting that Milwaukee has and their length, they're just a tougher uh, matchup. Yeah. Those two okay. other two I see that. That makes sense. And I'd just like to point out before we wrap up here that we the Celtics have beaten all three of these teams in the regular season, so anything is possible as they retire retire Kevin Garnett's number. I'd like to bring that quote back up. Correct. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, man, this was this was a great time. Uh before I cut it off, anything you wanna you plug? Obviously you're pretty big on Twitter, but anything you wanna say before we end this off? Yeah, I mean Appreciate coming on. Appreciate having me today. And just uh, everyone go read the blogs on BarstoolSports.com. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I'm going to link uh, Greeny's Twitter and the uh, tweet I put this out in. I'll probably put it out right after I finish up recording. So, But, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA. See you next time. Peace.